This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This week, I am joined by two spirits from faraway lands, Tia Vasilio. Hello. And Renee Rodriguez. Bueno. I mean, I know that I said you guys are from faraway lands, but literally, you are so far away from me physically, it's almost the truth. Um, just hearing your voices on the internet is, is a great thing. Uh, but you know, I'm here to talk to both of you about comic books, so let's just get right into it. Episode 263. I got to ask you some questions. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Uh, I am the exact same as last time. Um, okay. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about my response to that all week and I was like, Oh, what can I say? What can I say? I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. what would be a good plug for the last episode that I was on was this like, I'm the exact same. So if you want to find out, just go back to that episode. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Comic books are good. They're always good. Um, I read uh, I I read some manga came out early this week. It came out on Friday instead of on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I uh, we know obviously from because uh, we both subscribe to Shonen Jump, which you guys can too. That's pretty cheap. Just go to Shonen Jump uh, on your Google machine. This is not an ad. I swear to God. But I wish that they <laughs> but were Shonen paying Jump us call to do us. <laughs> but should they? Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> anyways the so the stuff i read i read uh, a new series or a newer series uh build king chapter two with story and art by mitsutoshi shimabakuro and this is uh, the creator of toriko which uh hmm. i don't know if either of you know what that series is uh, i know the name it was a big series a couple of years ago so it's about uh gourmet hunters it's uh these basically these people that go out into the vast crazy lands of the world and they hunt these crazy monsters and plants and things like that to get rare ingredients to make food. And so the whole world is basically revolves around, you know, gourmet food and gourmet hunting and uh, basically gourmet hunters try to uh, make their ultimate meal, which is like seven different courses and all that. And it ran for, it ran for a good while. Um, I actually haven't even finished Toriko. I'm only, I'm like on chapter 325. Um, right. But that's not the series that I'm talking about. But the creator yeah. of Toriko has a new series called Build King. And it's kind of similar, but instead of gourmet hunters, they're, build, they're builders. They're like carpenters and stuff. And uh, okay. like <laughs> okay. the, the whole point is that there's all these terrible monsters that are trying to always destroy people. And so they're like, well, I'm going to build a house that can withstand getting destroyed by monsters and the elements themselves so far as what it is. Um, but it's, 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 it's weird. Uh, it's not as weird as hard boiled cop and dolphin, but you know, it's weird. Um, okay. but it's funny and I dig it. The only two chapters are out, but I'm already in it. Uh, I already like it. So I'm interested to see where it goes. And, uh, I also read mission Yuzakura family chapter 60 with a story and art by Hitsuji Gondaira and, uh, their team, uh, you know, all their assistants, uh, but I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on this series, but it's really good. I really like it. Uh, it's a very classic gag manga turned battle manga, except that it's had a good mix of both since the very beginning. And uh, the escalation in the series is very natural and it's consistently funny as well as like action packed. I would highly recommend it. And uh, also it meets the plus 50 criteria, which is the criteria my best friend has, which is like, 
I don't want to hear about a new series. I'm not going to start reading a new series until it's got 50 chapters or more. It's got to be worth my time. Ridiculous, Renee. (laughs) Tell him that he's ridiculous. (laughs) I will. I'll tell him right after this. I'm sure he he listens to the show, so I'm sure he'll get a huge kick. All right. Well, you're ridiculous, Renee's best friend. (laughs) His name is Drew. Shout out. Shout out to his actual name. I'm sure he's dying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it meets the plus 50 criteria. So there Uh you go. And that's what I read this week. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Tia, what about you? What have, what have you been up to? How's, how, how's life been? What kind of comics you've been reading? All that. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone else is experiencing this, but I just have zero attention span lately, like at all. I can mm-hmm. pretty much only watch like trash reality TV because you don't have to pay attention to it. Reading has been a real challenge for me. And also, uh, I fully expect there to be another lockdown order in LA like tomorrow. So I have been um, pretty careful about not going out anymore. So no comic shop. The comic shops were open here. Um, You just had to wear a mask to go in and they had, you know, reduced occupancy. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not going out for anything. That's not essential. But I also can't look at screens any more than I absolutely am required to for my job because I just am going to go insane. So no digital comics for me. So I um, looked into my library of books I have not read yet um, on my own personal bookshelves for Uh, something to read this week, which, you know, when I back in the before times when I worked in an office that got mailed comps by many large publishers, I would just take Mm -hmm. boxes of them home without even really looking at what was in there. And so, you know, fortunately for me, my library on my own personal bookshelves is quite extensive and full of books I haven't read. Mm -hmm. So I settled on Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, which of course is um, a spinoff of the acclaimed David Lapham series, Stray Bullets, which mm-hmm. I have never read because the only David Lapham thing I've ever read is his crossed psychopath run. Oh, oh my. And it <laughs> is without, and I've read all of Crossed. Um, yeah. It is without a doubt the most disturbing crossed story. And I have always. Um, maintained that if you ever encounter David Lapham, you should run away very fast because (laughs) uh, I don't know what sort of disturbed individual could come up with that sort of thing. But everyone in comics assures me that he's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And you you don't know because you've run away from him every time you see him. (laughs) And, um, And many of my friends whose opinions on such matters I trust uh, have encouraged me to read Stray Bullets. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. I don't have Stray Bullets, but I have Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses because um, it was, Stray Bullets was being independently published and then um, Image Comics did like a reprint, like a like an omnibus, and, um, and then Lapham started putting out these like side stories. And I'm so I, I know what I do know about Stray Bullets is that it's a very open ended like it's kind of uh, episodic. There's this really big cast of characters. It's a crime noir and you kind of weave in and out of the stories. So um, it's not the kind of story that you need to start at the beginning and have all the backstory because there isn't any. Um, which And I thought, you know, that's actually right, right 
at my level right now. I don't want to have to wrestle mm-hmm. with a lot of backstory. I don't want to follow complicated storyline. And so I actually re- I really en- enjoyed uh, Sunshine and Roses. It's like there's no exposition. You just jump right into a story. You have no idea who these people are or why they're murdering people or what's happening. But mm-hmm. I have zero attention span. So that's kind of great. I just sort of meander through the story. And the the moments are, you know, they are kept compelling. They're well-written. Like the, you know, Lapham is the writer and illustrator. And, you know, so it's just, it's really well uh, told visual story. Uh, visual storytelling is really well done. I like that it's just stark black and white artwork. It's a grid panel layout. So it's very straightforward. And um, I think that that's a nice balance to a story that is is kind of free flowing and and meandering to give it some formal structure, even while mm-hmm. while there's no like narrative structure in the sense that you would um, look for to, to kind of like hang your understanding of what's going on. So uh, yeah, I if you are like me and you're kind of struggling to pay attention, you should check out Stray Bullets. I, I have to wonder, is this as insane as his cross run or is it like a different type type of story altogether um i would say that it's not as disturbing uh, at all because just by the okay. nature of crossed i think they ask you to just like be as gross as possible um right, right. okay yeah although I, I will say his crossed run is very character driven if you could say that about okay. crossed <laughs> um, and i can see that here too even though there's not a lot of backstory or exposition like the mm-hmm. characters relating to each other is really the the meat of this and gotcha. i suspect if you like if you like tarantino if you like stuff like i don't know sons of anarchy i guess or things mm-hmm. like that you know this is sort of like noiry crime gritty stuff gotcha yeah well i mean i think stray bullets has been on my like it's on my forever to read list just because i've heard so many good things about it so um, i'm glad to hear that the spinoff might just be something to check out as like to get your your toes wet before you dig into the huge omnibus sure yeah i mean i think that's the beauty of it really is that you can kind of just pick pick up any point of stray bullets and you don't necessarily have had it's not like manga chapter 325 you know like you right, you won't right. be lost <laughs> gotcha that was gotcha. the exact number i'm very impressed <laughs> <laughs> like i only uh, i know well, i said it only like a couple minutes ago but still exactly. yeah i mean i'm impressed too because my attention span is like that of a goldfish lately so <laughs> uh well, for me, uh, I have been nonstop busy. I don't know why I decided to just say yes to so many things. I've, I've also somehow managed to just rope everybody that I know into doing a million things. So I apologize for that. I don't know what it is. Um, but I was just recently on the I Freaking Love Comic Books uh live stream that they did this past weekend so if you get a chance i'll post a link to it in the show notes um but i was on a live stream talking about comics and comics news which is really fun um hoping to have either one or more of those guys come over onto our show and have them talk in the future um and then have maybe send some of us go over on their show so i did that last night and then i also recorded a mini and i also recorded another thing for my other podcast guys it's i'm just very busy uh i don't know why i should have just say no to more things um 
but I did read some comic books this past week because I found my, that I had some free time. Um, and I sat down and finally read The Magic Fish by uh, Trung Lin, Lin Nguyen, who, aka Trungles on the internet. Uh, it's this very beautiful original graphic novel about a child of immigrants trying to find a way to come out to his parents in speaking in Vietnamese. Um, meanwhile, the other half of the story follows his mother, who's very torn between her life and family in Vietnam, as well as this life that she's established now with her husband and child in America. Um, she's she's basically someone who feels disconnected from both, because, despite wanting to be involved in both. But obviously, distance is a problem, and trying to raise a, a child is a problem, and all these different things. So... It's a very beautiful book um, in that the the story kind of follows the the son and the mother as they're reading stories to each other, like old uh, fairy tales to each other, like a Cinderella story or uh, an Ariel, not Ariel, Little Mermaid style story. Uh, so Trungles is allowed to do that style of art that they're known for, which is very beautiful, intricate dresses and princesses and castles and all this stuff that I think they're known for, but also tell this very grounded, personal um, or very close to personal story. Um, and all throughout the book, um, you see this evolution of characters, um, the mother and his and the son, as well as the, the princesses in the various stories. And at the end of the book, there's this very wonderful set of pages where each dress that the characters are, that the fairy tale characters wear and the settings that they're in, as well as the, the mother and the son, um, all the clothes and the choices that are made in terms of where things were uh, where the story takes place we're all chosen very intricately and um trung gives a very beautiful breakdown of all the the meanings behind a lot of things and what they meant for him um or them as a as a creator because it's a it's a very close parallel to i think their own life um it's it's a fucking magical book i highly recommend everybody read it, it might be my favorite graphic novel that i've read this year and yeah I've, I've been looking forward to this for a long time when it was announced and it was like the perfect birthday present for myself because it came out right around my birthday and then i just sat on it for a month and a half because you know there's a million other comics to read but i i highly recommend it the other book i want to talk about real quick is uh this this graphic novel or this the first volume of this series called BL Metamorphosis uh this is by Kaori Tsurani Tsu, I'm I'm totally butchering this Tsurutani and this is part of a book club uh this is a book that was picked for the book club that i run um at work and it's it's about a teenager and an old woman who become friends through a mutual like of the bl manga and for those of you that don't know bl manga is like boy love manga and it's it's romance can be very explicit depending on who and what you're reading um but the story is very wholesome it's really bittersweet because you experience the perspective of a very elderly woman who's like 75 years old and the trials that a person has to go through as some at someone at that age just to do things that i think a lot of people who are younger take for granted like going up two sets of stairs or um things as simple as trying to cut open a large um gourd you know like it's very hard to do when you're 75 years old living on your own and so she meets this younger girl who works at a bookstore and she recommend she doesn't recommend this bl book but the woman stumbles upon this book and she goes oh this looks nice i used to read manga when i was younger is this anything like uh, a series that she lists off and the girl says kind of you might like it and so she gives it to her and it's a very nice little romance story and uh the story kind of progresses as they become closer and closer friends these two characters and they start lending each other books and they at the end of the volume they end up trying to go to something and it's it's very wholesome like i said it's it's a really great read um and i i felt a lot of 
I felt a lot of expression and emotion coming from these characters. And if you look at the art for this book, you can see that it's it's very simple in a lot of ways. But the expression and feeling you get from these characters is very genuine and very strong. Um, I, I remember sitting down reading it and I just looked over at Kelly and I was just like, this book's going to make me cry as this person is just having troubles just living a regular life because they're older or because they're a teenager and they're so anxious about interacting with other people. Um, so yeah, this, the story is wonderful. I highly recommend it. The problem is there's only two volumes out and the third one's coming out in December. So if you're looking to like binge a really wholesome, nice book, uh, unfortunately, there's only so much to read, but I really, really liked it. And uh, just really quick before we go into comic picks, uh, I do got to give my one piece update, which uh, Xander, you can go ahead and roll the clip. Hey, painter girl, would you stop messing with me already? But you were having such a good time. Wasn't it funny? Well, yeah, it was kind of funny, but stop! I am on 978. Maybe I'm a little bit further than that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm on 980. I read a couple chapters this week. I'm really trying to take my time because 996 just came out. And if I just if I blast through all the chapters, I'm going to be caught up and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. So just having a little bit more slack to, you know, keep reading. That's where I'm sitting at. So very close to chapter 1000, folks. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to happen before the end of this year. Right. That's that sounds right, Renee. I think so. OK, fingers crossed. Or maybe they're they're trying to time it with the new year. I mean, it, de- it depends. Oda had made a deal a couple of years ago where he's allowed to take more breaks because he can because he's been at the top of Shonen Jump for 10 plus years, mm-hmm. which is good. I'm glad that he gets the re- he can now get more rest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it it makes the schedule for One Piece, you know, uh, is, is, you know, who knows? Yeah, I think they're aiming at like an every other week delivery schedule. So, yeah, we'll see. But anyways, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about comics that are coming out. Comics are dropping on November 25th, 2020. I want to know what you both are excited for. So let's start with you, Tia. Well, I noticed that in between uh, the fifth and forthcoming sixth arts of Monstrous, there's going to be a little... Uh, I guess side stories is my uh, theme for the week. Um, (laughs) Monstrous Talk Stories number one is coming out. This is the long running and award winning and frankly um, spectacular series by Sana Takeda and Marjorie Liu. And in Talk Stories, Kippa is going to tell you stories about her childhood. And everybody knows that Kippa is the best. So enjoy. I'm looking forward to that. It's it's really cool to hear that a series like Monstrous has the like time and popularity to be able to do side stories between arcs because I think that that means that there is a sev- like a serious investment by the readers for something like this or at least the you know you know Sana Takeda and Marjorie Liu believe so but I think that given how many people have said oh man I've read Le- Le- Monstrous or you haven't read Monstrous yet um, I think that that's definitely the truth. Yeah, you know I think that it's. A beautiful series, uh, and mm-hmm. the themes really resonate with people, and the characters are very, um, you know, people get really attached to them. They're really dynamic and multifaceted, and it definitely deserves the acclaim that it's received. Yeah. Another one of those books that I just need to sit down and read. I have all the volumes. I have no excuse. I just need to sit down and read them. Uh, so maybe before this this series gets collected into trade, I'll actually sit down and read Monstrous because, like you said, I've heard it's it's only beautiful and wonderful. 
Uh, Renee, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Uh, I'm excited for uh, My Hero Academia Chapter 292. Oh, my. Which is a story and art by Kohei Horikoshi. And uh, this arc has gone on for a very, very long time. And it's had like, it's, it feels like it's had like six different arcs inside of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone on just multiple, multiple tangents, um, which it feels very reminiscent of some of the things that Oda has done in One Piece, like in the Alabasta arc and uh, mm-hmm. in... Um, you know, just lots of arcs where it's like, hey, we're in the Wanna. middle of all these crazy things. Let's also jump back into the history of this one character. Um, <laughs> although it, yeah. in My Hero Academia, they're all they're like, you know, uh, Horikoshi's doing it with, you know, <laughs> the main characters and the main villains. Whereas Oda does it with like, hey, there's this random boss, but you should know everything about him, which is why he's dressed right. as a baby. Um, or here's a, yeah, here's a side character that's that literally only matters for this one scene, but we're gonna do five <laughs> gonna chapters do about things. his backstory. Yeah, so it was a little bit like that, and it's like it's gone on for a really long time, and I was actually kind of like, I don't know, getting tired of it, and then you know it just kind of came back with the things that happened, and I don't, I'm trying not to give spoilers here, but the stuff about going on. 290 had the big reveal at the yeah, end. 290, yeah, 290, which, I mean, though, if you've been reading the series, it, it, it was kind of out there. But sure, sure. but it's finally coming into play. And, you know, yeah. at, even after this arc, like so many, it's going to have drastic changes to the world of My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really, really exciting for me is that, like, you know, a lot of the time manga is like, have like like oh this great big thing happened and then like two chapters later they're like ah but basically everything's the same and yeah uh, uh, you know uh, that happens a lot of the time in shonen um it's it's kind of different when you get into scene and stuff but um it looks like you know that they won't be able to do that with everything that's happened in this past arc so i'm really excited to see what the future of my hero academia is going to be and also Mm -hmm. best genus is literally the best genus so (laughs) That's exciting. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm very excited for that chapter as well. But uh, my pick for this week is Colonel Weird Cosmagog number two. This is Jeff Lemire and Tyler Crook. Um, all I can really say is let's get weird, you know. Um, but with the end of issue one, uh, where we saw a big culmination of things that come together based off of the weird kind of trippy traveling that we got the first person per- first person perspective of kind of for the first time in this whole Black Hammer world. Um, I'm really excited to see what issue number two is going to be um, and how much weirder it's going to get. I think Lemire is really leaning into the extremely crazy, indirect, abstract storytelling beats that you would see from other creators. And I think with Tyler Crook on art, there's a really cool uh, potential. There's a lot of really cool potential here as to how weird and strange things can get. Um, and yeah, for those that, you know, if you haven't read Black Hammer, you should go read the main story and then pick up this main this book because it's it's fantastic. Um, and Tyler Crook's art is to die for. It's it's wonderful. The first issue was beautiful, and I can't wait for the second one. Um, but you know, let's uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about world building in comics. I'm very excited to get into it. We'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we're kind of asking the question, is there something unique about world building in comics? And if the answer is yes, 
what exactly is it? What makes world building so unique about comics or in comics? So, I mean, Tia, Renee, we've kind of been sitting on this for a little bit. Um, I have a lot of like just kind of high level thoughts, but I wanted to hear what you guys thought, I guess, initially when you saw this question. I guess for me, I was thinking about in terms of production compared to other visual media like film, you know, um, right. Right. If you want to build a world or video games, I guess, too, uh, it takes a team of highly skilled professionals months and years to create a world that you can move through uh, mm-hmm. at will or that your actors can move through and and sort of uh, in order for it to be a a a world build in in an immersive sense like you mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. you know you really have to have a lot of those details actually created and i think that um one of the benefits of comic book art you, you know you still have a team of highly skilled people uh but it's a lot more self-contained it's your limitations are really like your artist's time and abilities and um because you control the way that your characters move in the world and the way that the audience moves through the story you can you know only show them what you need to show them you know for that story beat and in fact i think that having everything too fully fleshed out and detailed is in a lot of ways a hindrance to storytelling in comic books because I think a lot that sometimes world builder creators get too wrapped up in the world building and they don't really um they don't really do enough with the story that actually needs to take yeah. place in it. And so yeah. um it's kind of like a a Goldilocks situation, right? Where it's like Right. Not too hot, not too cold. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, thought, yeah, I, I thought you were talking about like, like the actual world of Goldilocks. Like, yeah, these bears have houses, but that's not really the point of the story. <laughs> no, <we're> not- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, I, I think that there, that's that's absolutely the case. I think with comics, because you, I think we've all read comics where there's a lot of front loaded stuff, right? And you you understand that the that maybe the team is trying to put you in a position so that you understand a lot of the context of the world. And in some cases, it can be super overwhelming, right? Like I think, um, like Chew is an example of a book that I think of where they kind of front load you with a lot of information up front to establish the world. Um, <clears throat> but I think what makes Chu unique is that like that upfront data dump isn't necessarily a complete hindrance because it's just the tip of the iceberg as to what's going to come. Right. We, we understand that like Tony Chu is a psychopath and we understand that, that swine flu or what was it? Chicken flu or whatever they called it. Um, Avian flu was a problem. Avian flu. Thank you. Um, was a problem. But then after that, what the actual story is about is totally not even completely related to that. And, so you get to the end and, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, I think that that severe control is 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 really crucial. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Renee, what, what are your thoughts? What were your first thoughts about this? So my first thoughts about this was just kind of like the idea of the freedom that, you know, comic writers have, you know, that because like, you know, in film, especially like when with things more towards Western audiences, there has to be this sort of sense of realism to every single story that you're telling. And I think with comic books, like because 
I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's just a little bit more They're Like, you know, they could be like, Oh, you know what? We're going to put this man in a metal suit and it can move and do all these crazy things that we can't think of or couldn't think mm-hmm. of at the time. Or there's a man that flies through space and he can just hold his breath from one end of the universe to the other. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there can be gourmet hunters that go and find giant bits of corn and heat it up by throwing it into the sun to make these gigantic pieces of popcorn. What is that? What that comic book is about? <laughs> I mean, it's not what it's about, but that's actually one of the things in, in Toriko's um, menu of life. Is they, oh, okay. They okay. climb these gigantic stalks of corn that are because of the air pressure of how high they are up. They there's something special about the corn, and then they heat it up, and it has to be like a certain heat, and it mm-hmm. makes this fantastic piece of popcorn that is ridiculous, and that's his order, okay. I think. Okay. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, though. Like, you can have a world of ninjas or, like, this world where it's, you know, most of the world is flooded, so the Navy and pirates are a huge part of the world. Or, you right. know, there's, you know, uh, there's all these kinds of things. There is a world where there's people that, you know, they can see the life of anything they eat, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. And I mean, and I think that that's, you know, that is something that is probably harder or maybe maybe it can be done in prose. Maybe it can be done in film. But I think comics allows for that that thing that I think we talk about a lot. I think, Tia, you've brought it up many times of that that pacing that that comic creators get to have and also people get to digest it at their own speed. So, you know, when, when you're watching a film, things kind of happen at, at their own rate. Same with television, with prose it can just be an info dump. It could be something that gets lost, but that combination of visual and prose telling uh, storytelling inside of a comic book allows for you to kind of process things in a very unique way so that, you know, the art also enhances the text and vice versa um, in order to establish a lot of things about a world from in a, on like a single page, even um, which that's something that I, I'm constantly thinking about. This is that like, it's not even just about the writing. It's about the visual side of the storytelling. And I think when you get creators that are very well adept at um, at using that visual storytelling language in order to establish things, you know, not even quote unquote hiding things in the background, but using the shape of a page or using the beats of a page in order to deliver something that's happening to the to the reader, um, that can be a big thing or it can be a very small thing. Um, but the fact that comic books can do that um, is, I think, very unique because I think when you try to do it in a film, you have to do so much to establish things so does to not pull uh, viewers out of the movie. Um, and with prose, usually there's, that just results in a lot of text. And sometimes a lot of text can just be super overwhelming. Um, so, I mean, c- comic books have that uniqueness about them that I think is is very very unique to just comic books i mean it kind of comes back to this idea that comic books may be the best medium to tell stories i don't know i mean i think that there's also something to do with the with the art that like when you have something that's ridiculous because you know when it's being drawn you know they they sort of fit to the same role like even uh, an adaptation like the umbrella academy the comic is so much weirder and has a separate has a different pace altogether than the Mm -hmm. tv show and like there's a lot of things that they don't put in the tv show from the comic because it's hard to translate into real life like the like the the whole televator or the fact that you know they they only have one smart you know uh chimpanzee in the in the tv show whereas in the comic there's just they're just walking around like there's a police there's a police detective that's that's a chimpanzee Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's just part of the world. And in the comic, it doesn't seem out of place. 
at all because right. it's it's drawn they're all drawn and it fits it just it's together whereas like if you had one there's a whole budget thing they have to you know make that digitally in the in the tv show so there's a budget mm-hmm. thing but also it's like how how much of that story are you just being aware that like yeah that this chimpanzee just has to has to walk around with other actors you know right. digital right. person you know and i think that the other thing too that is interesting about world building and comics and and all of these things that we're talking about is the comic creator can make the choice to strip the world out of a moment which would I guess technically be possible in other visual mediums like film, but it would be jarring and weird and it would probably pull people out of the story. Whereas mm-hmm. you can use the world for emphasis in its absence as well as um, adding in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, I, and I think that's something that's kind of. I don't know if it's inherent or it's just something that's learned over time as a comic book reader, but it never feels truly out of place when something like that happens, right? Like if if a if a character is suddenly in a white void thinking about something or something dramatic happens and the world fades to black around them, like that doesn't seem out of place. Whereas in a movie, you would notice that that'd be a moment where you'd go, "Oh, what's happening?" Or you know, in a in a prose book, an empty page would be severe. Um, and I, I think that that's you know that makes those types of moments, you know, incredibly powerful, but also very unique in their not weirdness to the medium, um, which I, yeah, I, I never didn't even consider that. Yeah. And to add on to that, there's also like, you know, thought bubbles that don't seem out of place or like, you know, the narrative boxes or even editor's notes sometimes can add to the story or the world building, you know, which you can't really have that. Like if you just had a a producer's thoughts at the bottom of the screen of a movie or something, it would seem really yeah. out of place. You'd have to buy the Blu-ray special edition <laughs> to get that commentary in the background. Of the yeah. Movie. Yeah. And it's like, it would be overlapping and whatnot. And you, you have it for like a split second. Whereas like you said earlier, you know, if you're reading a comic, you have all the time in the world to take that in and to read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that world building in film is about, um, I don't know, in um, in art history, there's a, a term where it's like, is the, is the scene that you're looking at a window? Like, are you meant to be looking into something real versus like an awareness that, that you're looking at a a creation or a fiction or a, you know what I mean? Like a, an object. Um, and I think that just by the nature of reading comics versus going to a film, uh, world building in film really uh, typically, I would say, is less self-conscious about it being an object. And it's usually just trying to create a window for you to look through. Whereas I mm-hmm. think that comics are more conscious as a rule of being an object rather than a window. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that there is, there's definitely, I think creators a lot of times have a a complete understanding of what they're delivering to people. And they understand that there's like, yeah, unlike film where they were literally getting a glimpse through a lens, um, comics are that like a physical thing that you know whether it's digital or whatever that like you can address and you can view at in multiple ways um without control like you you 
you don't have that timeline kind of like a film does. And I mean, you can skip around in a film, but I think with a comic, it's much easier for you to uh, take things in in a very um, unique to you way, right? So like the way that, you know, Tia, you read a page or Renee reads a page or I read a page may not be the same, but ultimately the point is to get the same meaning out of that page, no matter how you ter- interpret it, right? Uh, yeah, that's, I like, I like that a lot. I, and maybe I missed your point there, Tia, but I, I think that, that it's okay. <laughs> it takes you to a new one. It's that, that yeah. it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think the the other thing I wanted to bring up though around this is the idea of these these very strangely becoming common because damn you Hickman um, text dump pages. Um, I don't think this is new, right? This is not a new thing. You know, people have been doing this for years. Um, specifically, let's look at something like Watchmen as an example and other books that have done this in the past. Um, but they're coming back. The resurgence of these just info dump pages in comics. Um, do you? Do the either of you, I mean, maybe you've seen these, maybe you haven't, but the idea of like a prose page living inside of a comic book, um, does that take you out of the book? Does that like ruin kind of the the uniqueness of comic books or do you think that that actually works? Um, I don't think it, I don't think it takes me out of the experience, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't think, I'm still aware that I'm reading a comic book and I'm still part of the story, but I mean, sometimes like if it's just one panel that has a big thing, but if it's like four or five pages, then I'm just like, all right, dude like crap or get off the pot like let's go i'm just really aware and the thing is like there's there have been you know i i've been reading comics for forever and my my brother's had comics or whatever and i just found this out like fairly recently that they basically just looked at the at the pictures and didn't actually read the comics because they were like dude there's too many words <laughs> so yeah, yeah. but the, the, they got the story though right i think we, we you know the ability for just the art to tell the story is something that's very unique to comics i mean i, I realize we're a little bit away from world building here but like um you know that 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 does say something about the medium i think that like info dumping can be useful but at the same time like i, I read a ton of manga where the worlds are all vastly different and mm-hmm. they have to explain you know, what the world is like. And some of them, you know, do big info dumps because the world is different. Like Fire Force does that. And uh, Soul Eater did that. They're written by the same person. But then you have like series like uh, D. Gray Man, where they give you a little bit at a time throughout the chapters. And they're mainly trying to get your attention to keep you reading the series by doing action. And they do mm-hmm. these little, little info dumps that are just like kind of like just you know, the, the passerby phrase, you know, like, Oh, well the world did this or like, you know, something happened like that. And I think that like, uh, I prefer that in comics, you know, and they, they also can show you a lot more like visually, like uh, a lot of manga will be like, well, this is the, this is basically how our world works. And they do like a, uh, picture a B and C type thing. And it's, (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty brief. But you're like, oh, I get the deal. Like they did it in Naruto to explain chakra, which mm-hmm. I think is the biggest info dump they had other uh, other than up until the end where they're like, let me tell you my master plan in, you know, two chapters. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> but I don't really like info dumps. I think that we should stay away from that because then it's like, you know, most a majority of the panel is just words. Right. And, or I or mean, pages. I mean, yeah, I, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, like it's it's becoming a thing that's becoming more regular. And I think that it's a it's I don't know if it's if it's bad or if it's good, because sometimes it, it makes me worry that if you do skip over those pages, um, like 
uh, maybe or you you know you don't you skim them or you don't read the whole thing are you missing crit- critical details of the of a comic or a story um but then you know there's also a question of like you know the creators put this in there for a reason so i mean it's it's maybe on you to actually sit back and read it so um but yeah i don't know it's it's not something that's wholly unique to to comics right because i think you would you would see this in prose all the time where you get diagrams and you get you know laid out pages and maps and stuff like that um for you to take in um but it is something that i think i've seen more and more in comics where you get you know a page or two of just prose or something like i read um there's a book uh that i read from uh vault that i can't remember the name of um that was very lovecraftian is very like uh, that 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 idea of these elder monsters and stuff um, and there are whole pages of like journal entries and stuff and I, if i hadn't read those i don't think that i would have actually fully grasped the whole story but it was a lot of prose to read like two or three or four pages worth of prose to read um and I, I it's it's weird because those types of things really slow down my my reading process and really make me sit back and, and think about the book, which I think is the intent, but it's something that feels like not comics. It feels like a, a thing that that is injected um into the book just because there's maybe not enough pages to do, you know, the story. Um and so I don't know. I, I, I think about it a lot just because X-Men does it like they were doing it almost every chapter in X of Swords, and I was just like do I need to know the details of every single one of these swords or is that something else? Because they were trying to establish a lot and all the different worlds and all this different stuff. So I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts on that. <laughs> just, I mean, that's just me getting on my soapbox. I mean, sometimes it's necessary. Like, could you imagine drops of God without those vast bits of info dumping about wine? Like it yeah, would no, no, change no, no, no. the story. And so like yeah. in series like that, it's necessary and like in death note, but then the thing is, and this is the main gripe that I have with big info dumps is when it really, uh, when the text itself obscures the image, like it's like, oh, this is a really cool like page layout. And this is a amazing piece of art that they've done, but then they've also covered up three quarters of it with this text. And I'm like, hmm, that image is really cool. Maybe you could have had that text like yeah. either in the panel next to it or something. I don't know. Yeah. I was like that's the only time that it really bothers me. Like if they had done, you know, when he, you know, that full page spread of him decanting in Drops of God, mm-hmm. you know, one of the hundred yeah. times. But if that, like, while they were doing that, they're like, "This is the whole thing," you know. That's <laughs> yeah, like this on, is why decanting on better. his yeah. thing. But they, they don't. They have it just when it's like two people talking. They're like, "What is he doing?" But they have the full page spread of him doing, you know, the decant. So, mm-hmm. like that one, I'm fine with something like that. But like when it's when it's in the middle of my action shot, I'm like, bro. Right. I mean, but it, it, it's kind of a thing of, you know, if, if, you know, to bring it back again to world building, it's like, if these are the types of things that are crucial for the scene, you know, like, is there a better way to, to, to basically get that information out to you? Or do you need to wait and have a scene where characters describe it? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I, like I'm, I'm really not a fan of it. I feel like you should always figure out a way to take out as much text as possible. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think that the text gets in the way. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of goes back to that whole argument with you know television, film, and and as well as comic books is you have a medium where you can show things. You know, you should show instead of tell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, comic books have, you know, that this this very, again, like this, this unique way of telling stories in general. And I think that that kind of carries over to the unique way in which world building is done to make sure that, you know, you as a reader become fully immersed in that world. And so when you pick up an issue of some comic or you pick up a trade or an OGN, like you should be able to just fall right into it without having to ha- like basically set yourself up for this like okay now i need to read two pages of prose to get myself ready to read the comic you know (laughs) and that to me like feels like uh a miss in terms of the the story and maybe you know the the creators decided that they you know they couldn't develop that in in something but i think that that means that you maybe need to go back and and rework your your story a little bit yeah that makes me think of uh the introduction for ultimate muscle which is a series uh, which is a manga series about like superhumans that did wrestling to solve like you know big international or intergalactic skirmishes um (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly okay exactly so ultimate muscle is technically a follow-up series so the in the japanese the original series is called kanikuman and then ultimate muscle is called kanikuman nisei um, which are the second, but, uh, so ultimate muscle, if you hadn't read the original series, they basically give you this brief overview, but it's not really bogged down with text. They take the first like four or five pages of the chapter to break it to you so that they're still showing you action, but also still showing you history. And it's not a big info dump. Like it's not like mm-hmm. one big block of text. It's like two or three sentences every panel or something so it feels really quick it feels like you're reading it very quickly and you're not just sitting there you know reading one page for five minutes yeah interesting interesting well yeah i mean i uh i i kind of brought this 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 topic to the table with uh just some basic ideas but um yeah i i I don't know if you guys have any any final thoughts on on world building or anything like that that you want to get out before we we maybe try to wrap up soon or maybe we just have said that comic books have a very unique way of, of world building. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I honestly thought Tia was going to say something. So I was just like, I didn't want to like step over her. I was waiting for a plane to pass by. That was very loud. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think th- I would say one note I would just leave people with when it comes to world building and comics is to rem- remember that just be- because you don't have to physically build the world doesn't mean that it's like quote unquote free to build that um you know the artist still puts a lot of time and effort into it and especially if they have a really intricate world they have to draw um you know it's a lot on their bodies and also mentally to to kind of juggle right. that constantly so i think that um a really good artist is one that not only can world build and tell a story within it, but also know when to be economical with those details. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I, I mean, not to prolong the episode any, but like I, I was something I was thinking about, about this episode was that the amount of work that goes into creating a world just from the art artist standpoint, right. To establish regularity of things in the background so that when you're looking at a book, it doesn't seem like our, the main characters in the story um, are the, the thing that set, defines the world. It's actually the, the presence of everything around it, right. A book like the spire doesn't work unless the rest of the world is as bizarre as the story that's being experienced right um and 
yeah, I think it's yeah, we definitely need to give our artists credit for it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, in, and I don't want to say invisible, but a lot of the background heavy lifting to establish these worlds that I think we love and cherish. And I think you you look at something like even a Marvel or DC book, and they they establish that the things are happening in a quote unquote real world setting versus something like a super sci fi book like Black Science or or whatever, where there's a lot of things happening um, that are strange and sci fi and they are otherworldly in the background as well. So. Right. And like all and that's the- all that's all credit to the to the you know artist probably working in collaboration with the the writer. But still, they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Yeah. Like all the little things like in Invincible when like all the blood or all the blood like splatters off of the panels into the white of it. Like how how sure. detailed do they actually have to be to get all of those little spatters and whatnot that you have to do and all the little mm-hmm. things like you were saying in the background. And once again, I'm going to preach, uh, you know, to read Bakuman, which goes into all the things that creators of manga do. Cause a lot of them still, you know, work with ink. They're not doing it on tablets. Not to say that that is any like better or, or whatever because like, there's still an insane amount of detail that has to go into making a series whether you're doing it on paper or you know digitally there's layers upon layers of stuff and but i would say that you know reading bakuman really put emphasis into like background things that you don't notice you know and and it's it's crazy how much how much some minor detail can matter to a story absolutely well, yeah, I guess you know. With that, I, I want to say thanks, you guys, for for joining me for today's discussion. It's a, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big one. So um, I appreciate your thoughts on it. But you know, if you want, you know, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X, spelled the French way. You can follow Renee at Rodriguez twenty nine. You can follow me at Mike Rapid, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you've got a YouTube out there. Please follow the YouTube. This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join now at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be lovely. Uh, You can rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, join us on discord at ircbpodcast.com slash discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show throw in some enemies as well you know just just get it out <laughs> just just spread the word spread the uh, word. infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander is a fun person to be around fun person to talk to about video games and everything but he also edits the show i want to say thank you to him thank you again to t and renee for being on this episode thank you to everybody who listens to the show you are wonderful fantastic human beings and until next time comics are good and so are you